This is React Podcast. I'm Chantastic. Today, Yanni Ivacalio tells us about Foam, an open source project that's bringing the power of networked note taking to your code editor. For the uninitiated like me, we talk about the differences between associative and categorical or traditional note-taking and how he's transforming VS Code into an IDE for thoughts. First, thanks to Infinite Red and Honey Badger for supporting this episode. Having access to developers that know the direction React and React Native are headed can take your development and team dynamics to new heights. If you don't have those developers, well, you need to find them. And I love Infinite Red for this. Infinite Red has been designing, building, and shipping apps for 10 years. And they want to bring their expertise and industry connections to your apps, products, and services. Infinite Red has a sweet deal right now where you get $750 for referring a new project. Get expert help from Infinite Red by visiting reactpodcast.infinite.red. Let's be honest, you ship code with errors. Don't worry, I won't tell your manager, I do it too. Sometimes your errors get caught by automated tests or QA testers, but sometimes they don't. When you push code with errors and those errors make it all the way to a user, you want HoneyBadger at your back. HoneyBadger monitors and sends alerts in real time, providing the context you need to quickly identify and eradicate errors in your day-to-day deployments. HoneyBadger gives you DevOps superpowers by combining error monitoring, uptime monitoring, and cron monitoring into a single, easy-to-use platform. And HoneyBadger won't just cover your back, they also alert you when your external services fall over or your background jobs start failing. Get 30% off for six months of HoneyBadger by mentioning React Podcast at sign up. There's no credit card required, just visit honeybadger.io. At honeybadger.io, you'll find the story of Star, Josh, and Ben, the bootstrappers behind HoneyBadger, and why self-funding means your needs and interests are always number one. Yanni, welcome to React Podcast. Oh, thank you, Michael. (laughs) Hey, it's good to have you on the show. You have some of my favorite, favorite talks because you... I think there's a lot of like hype that goes around and people are just like, I just want to be excited all the time. And I feel like a lot of your talks focus on a a hopefulness, but not like not one that isn't removed from the current state of affairs. I feel like you do a really good job of being like, Hey, like things are kind of crap right now, but they can be better. Uh, Is that, is that intentional? Is that, is that kind of like how you think about the the world? Is this a pretty good representation of your worldview? Yeah, I think so. I think I like to leave people feeling a little bit like, huh? Like, what was that? That, that's the reaction (laughs) I usually go for with my talk. So yeah, yeah, I think you, I think you caught the spirit there. Yeah, I, I want to mention it because I want to be able to link it and have people be able to watch this talk. But one of my favorite talks, I mean, not just by you, but just in general is, uh, this is a talk about you. I think that was it. React Native EU? Yeah, that's right. A couple of years ago in Poland. Okay. Yeah. It's just, it's so, um, it's odd <laughs> in like just the right ways. Like it's. <laughs> yeah. It, it's so, I mean, it's essentially like zombie apocalypse meets narrative fiction meets a serious tech talk about like our industry and what it's like to be a React Native developer in the year 2018. 
like you know if you can put those things together <laughs> in one talk and make sense of it then uh that's the talk oh and it has music as well it has a background track yes yeah 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 that was you don't see many ta- talks with background tracks actually i did i did want to ask you did you work with the sound people to like get a really solid kind of futuristic robot voice or is that just something that comes out of you no that's just that's just my voice you know like i you know you, you can hear it right now i have absolutely no tonality I'm, like i'm from finland like my face doesn't participate in my in my emotions or like my voice is just like this monotone sort of drone you could you know you could put babies to sleep with this i like it well i feel like you found a format that just really works for your, your your natural state because man it's just it's just so good i want like just pause this if you're listening right now just pause it listen to that talk and come back because i i think you need that and i think you need that context oh man like gonna say that you know you're really playing with fire here because they're never gonna come back they're gonna see that talk and they're gonna go down youtube rabbit hole and like they'll emerge 18 years later as like fascists you know you know whatever happens to people when they go on youtube you know <laughs> It's true. It's true. I don't know. It's I I feel like YouTube is a pretty good lens into like who you are, right? You know, like I started playing a little bit of Destiny. Um and then I I I like the next week it was just all Destiny videos. Like it's just it's it's this immediate reflection of of who YouTube thinks you are at any given Oh yeah, moment. mine is uh mine is just uh Bon Appetit test kitchen and like videos of Lin Manuel Miranda <laughs> being interviewed at like different talk shows. Yes. <laughs> I feel like that would be like every, everyone has those little Twitter games they play. I feel like posting a screenshot of your uh, YouTube home homepage would be uh, pretty revealing. So I was actually on on one of one of the first dates with my girlfriend, and uh, and you know we put on YouTube on my TV to watch something, and she's like, "You watch videos of yourself on YouTube?" <laughs> and I think it was I think it was probably the talk about you that I had like queued up to like check something or whatever, but like YouTube recommended to me to, like watch again. I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah, no, I'm super, super narcissistic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you should know this about me. I mean, the red flag was right there. I don't think she can blame herself now. Like, uh, you know. (laughs) Well, hey, um, for anyone who is is um, not familiar with your work so far, uh, tell me a little bit about. um, We're going to talk about foam, but uh, just tell me about like kind of like just the short version of like what you're doing now, where you came from the last like handful of years. Sure thing. Yeah. So, I mean, I've been a software developer for, you know, what feels like a very long time, 15 years now. And like, I've been doing React since React was a thing. And I've been doing React Native since React Native was a thing. And then like last year, I just had this moment when I had to take stock on, you know, like both on my personal inventory, but also to check in like what I'm actually interested and passionate about. And I figured like maybe it's time to actually do something else than this, you know, React Racket. So, you know, this year I've been just (laughs) figuring out, you know, I don't know what 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 actual contribution can I make to you know this industry and this this life this world in general um, and foam you know the the thing that I'm here to uh, here to pitch is uh, is is kind of my you know attempt at an answer to that question. That's awesome. Now you spent um, just for to to flesh out the context, you spent a lot of time recently in consultancy, right? Like so, you were doing a lot of projects that you didn't necessarily own, but you were working towards maybe someone else's goal. Yeah, pretty much. So yeah, like last. Five six years professionally, I was I was uh, I was a consultant, you know, like selling people React, you know, getting them onboarded to the React industrial complex, um, <laughs> and you know, like it, it's a good living and it's it's an honest living too, because you can actually create tons of real value for people and for companies doing that. Uh, but one thing that it doesn't really give you, it doesn't give you like those 
points you can redeem at, you know, the the proverbial heaven's gate, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, they're not exactly, you know, good acts. Um, they're, they're acts of uh, greed and acts of uh, profit. Sure. So, um, yeah, consultancy, try it. <laughs> <laughs> I've always found the, I guess, for mindful developers, right? Like, if you are a mindful developer, I've always found that consultancy creates a very um, sympathetic or like thoughtful uh, mode of web development or, you know, product development for um, people who are naturally thoughtful developers. I think some of my favorite, um, I guess, best practices, I know we both kind of like hate this word of like best practices, but like um, some of the most thoughtful patterns and practices that I've seen are from people who are in consultancy, see a lot of different products, a lot of different applications, a lot of different teams, and have learned how to navigate with a little bit of empathy, um, kind of knowing that real world products are not these, you know, perfect greenfield applications, and there's a lot of additional constraints. Um, and so yeah, I've always, I've always admired that perspective, I guess, that you get from from consultancy. Yeah, I think that that's a very kind analysis. But I mean, it, it, it's also true. <laughs> um, it's true in the sense that especially if you're technology consultant, like you focus on a particular area like I have, whether it's, you know, web front end or React or React Native, you always go to an organization where you are the ultimate sort of expert in a topic. And you could approach it in two sure. different ways, right? Like you could you could go in helicopter in, be like the, you know, the big guy and go like, I know this, you know, we'll sort this out. Or you can <laughs> actually, you know, bring every individual in the team along for the journey. Um, and, you know, by by that help them actually like upskill themselves and like take ownership of the work that, you know, they will be maintaining for for years and years once you're gone. Yeah. Um, so so that's the type of consultancy I, I've, I've tried to practice myself when I've when I've been able to. Yeah. 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 yeah I think that's reflected in uh, <laughs> I'm going to keep coming back to this talk because I really want people to watch it because it's great. Um, but uh, the this is a story about you. Right. We get so caught up in that narrative of like. I'm going to impose myself on this code, right? It, like I am the master of it. But really, so often these things are live much longer than our contribution to them. And uh, you know, w when you flip the lens a little bit, you realize like there was a you know a person before you doing that that th with that same thinking, and a person before them with that same thinking. And kind of trying to honor the history is is a really important part of this whole craft that we miss a lot of the time. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we have to acknowledge that we are part of some sort of culture. I mean, the culture might not be particularly cultured in the in the sense that we'd like to think of the word, but it is um, it, it mm -hmm. is one that absolutely has its traditions and it has its high priests and it has its, you know, the rich and the poor. <laughs> um, and and in, in that culture, all we can really do, same as in human culture, is just try to, you know, be the sort of mindful contributors in a sustainable way, in a, in a way that kind of creates good things, creates good software for people to to enjoy and love for, for a long time rather than, you know, just go for the quick buck. Yeah, I love that. I love that. So you've transitioned, you, you came from consultancy, you learned a lot there, and now you are kind of building your own product, building your own, your, your own dream. Tell me about Foam. And we're going to spend a lot of time here because like I am a total neophyte on this this movement um but start with your your product tell me about foam right so um uh, foam is you know like you you can look at it a couple of different ways but what it is it's uh it's a note-taking tool for networked thoughts 
Um, and if, if you think that, wow, that sounds familiar, um, it's because that is actually the tagline of a, of a, of a product that exists that is quite popular right now called Rome Research. Um, and Rome Research is this, is this kind of, you know, it, it, it's, it's a phenomenon. It's, um, it, it's a very popular tool that essentially seeks to implement some very, very good old ideas about how to take good notes, um, how to actually collect information, how to build a personal knowledge base, a, a second brain, so to speak, um, and, and use sort of more of a, more of an associative approach rather than a categorical approach, which, mm-hmm. you know, if you believe in this kind of this philosophy or this movement, um, essentially gives you superpowers because it allows you to take notes over a long period of time about a variety of topics um, and then discover spontaneous connections between those things. Um, like if we look at the history of, of uh, for example, you know, sort of the Western philosophy or Western culture, and I don't mean history as in like early history, but for example, English Enlightenment, um, these, you know, these philosophers or these polymaths, um, they weren't particularly you know, just one kind of scientist. They were weren't a, a physicist or a chemist or, mm-hmm. you know, like they, they had, they read broadly, they had broad ideas. And one of the reasons why they were able to sort of read so broadly or, or, or write so broadly is because, you know, it, it was essentially the, the, the culture of reading was to, to read a little bit of this, a little bit of that, write down your own thoughts into your book and then, you know, browse that book and like figure out hmm. how, those things would potentially interrelate because ideas like other ideas. And if you have too many ideas of the same kind, they don't really feed onto each other. But if you do have ideas of, of different varieties, um, you know, surprising things can happen. And that's kind of in the, sh- in the short, you know, the, why Rome research is interesting. Um, but, you know, I, I, of course, being a programmer, I wanted to make my own version of it because, you know, why buy something off the shelf when you can spend thousands of hours building it? <laughs> That is the the programmer ethos right there for sure. <laughs> okay, so I want to talk. I want to unpack a couple of those things. Um, the, you mentioned associative versus categorical approach to organ organization. Mm-hmm. Um, could you compare those a little bit for me? So, like, what does a categorical or I think I got that right? Categorical approach to um, note taking look like? So, number one, I'm not sure if this terminology is is accurate. I'm not sure if, if this is how Rome or any product actually thinks about this. This is just how I think about this. But like we, you know, like as um, as people who use computers, we kind of know by nature that if we want to find some information, uh, we need to put it in a place where we can find it later. There's this kind of like instinct to categorize, put things in folders, you know, think about where something belongs. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, ideas don't necessarily belong in sort of one bucket. Um, I think you can just let them kind of flow freely and create connections with them. So what Rome research is, you know, like they, they, I think they market themselves as like a note-taking tool, an outliner, but also a graph database. Um, you know, it's essentially a, a a tool that allows you to represent your ideas and thoughts as a graph. And they have a very, really, um, you know, sort of cool visualization for that. And, and yeah, that that's how, you know, that, that's how you associate freely between between different pieces of content. And in Foam, we're able to do exactly the same with just the directory of Markdown without, without actually using a graph database. Because turns out sometimes cool tools are, you know, just cool, but not that necessary. <laughs> Absolutely. So interesting. So if so, I'm thinking like of traditional note taking tools as like like uh, you know anyone on a Mac you know has Apple Notes available to them, right? And it's very much organized by folders. 
um, or you have this massive blob, they're not in interconnected. And then if you want to apply structure, you put them into folders, maybe there's tagging or whatnot. Um, but now this you're mentioning as, so, so if folders and tags, but then you're talking about a graph now. And so then this would be related to the actual content or how does that, how does that come into play? Well, so, I mean, if you imagine a graph, like a spider web sort of thing, I mean, it, it, in, a, in mm -hmm. a traditional graph, you have nodes and edges. Nodes are, you know, the pieces of data and edges are the connections between them. So in, in a Rome sort of second brain or in a, in a foam workspace, um, each node is just a note. It's just a document, you know, in, in the case of foam, it's a, it's a markdown file that has a heading for a title, um, and then it can have any markdown content in it. Um, and then you can create links to other documents by just using either standard markdown links or the media wiki linking syntax for which we can do some cool auto completions and, and things. Um, and when you create a link from one document to another, I mean, you implicitly create a relationship between those two ideas, right? Um, so if you have a document um, that is about um, cold potato soup and you have one document that is about, you know, Haskell, the programming language. I don't know what they have in common, but if you link one to another, they are now interlinked and they might, you know, have um, some kind of semantic relationship in your head. Um, so so that, that's what the graph represents. It represents in some ways, you know, the, the manic chaos of, of your own brain and the way ideas <laughs> interrelate there. Because, you know, you, you don't index in your brain by folders. You don't go, oh, give me all cold soups. And then you start thinking of like gazpacho and vichyssoise and, <laughs> you know, whatever. Like, you know, you think of that one fine summer's day when you went to France and you had that soup. And then you think about the, the song that you heard on the train. Um, and, you know, that, that's if, if we can represent our thoughts, our notes in our, in our so-called, you know, second brain, which is just a fancy way of saying a place that aids our poor, frail human memory by storing information for us, <laughs> then, you know, it kind of makes sense to 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 structure that second brain the same way as our first brain is structured because you know it makes sense to us. Interesting. So this is a lot more like uh, you even mentioned uh, the wiki Wikimedia links. Uh, this is a lot more like the web, I guess, where like you can have a document and it is interconnected to other documents, other thoughts. I mean, yeah. I mean, we are essentially creating web like it used to be. So it's not a web of applications and walled gardens. It's a web of just text and content. Um, but but this particular web is is moderately interesting or different in the sense that it's a web that you create locally, but you can also, in the case of foam, you can publish it for other people, and then people can create links between you know one foam workspace to another one. So it's almost like you're traversing your own brain graph, and then you get an idea in somebody else's head. You can jump over to their brain and then start kind of like you know exploring their ideas and connections. Um, it's kind of a trippy idea and hasn't really been put into good use. But none of these other second brain products really do that. So we don't know if it, that's a powerful idea or if that's just a short road to lunacy. Um, re remains to be seen. <laughs> well, something I love about this is that, you know, even as you just mentioned, like there's something about this that harkens back to the original intent for the web, right? Which is just interconnected thoughts and, you know, referencing other materials and bringing them together. And there's a part I don't know if it's just because I'm old or whatever, but like there's a part of me that craves that web, right? Like there was a vision of the web kind of early on. I think you Yahoo did this, right? Where it was like almost like curations of the web, right? Like these are some awesome pages that you'll probably like related to this topic. And this kind of goes back to to that as opposed to content being, like you said, behind all these walled gardens, like, you know, you know, Facebook or um <laughs> what not right we keep wanting to close content off and this really does seem like 
liberating your thoughts and your curations um, in in a really cool way. Yeah, like so. So there there is this kind of um, I don't know if it's a movement, but there's this trend of digital gardens or like public second brain. Some people mm-hmm. in the React community have them. Max Doiber from um, from you know from CSS and JS fame has one. Um, Andy Matushak, who was, you know, one of the engineers in iOS has one. And these are just like these public websites that are public by default, as in like, you can go and browse them, but you're not particularly invited to, nor is there an index or like, uh, you know, a sort of guide <laughs> into a person's brain, but it is there. If you if you do want to want to use it, you can. Uh, and that's how I'm I'm also building my own sort of foam workspace. I don't advertise it, but if you can figure out a way to link to a piece of content, you can actually hop on my on my brainwaves and you know like enter the enter the dungeon. Um, I don't recommend it though; it's it's not a pretty place. <laughs> it's a scary place. <laughs> but 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 to and not safe for work, maybe. But to what you said about like <laughs> harkening back to the old days of internet, absolutely. But in in some ways, I think it goes even a big bat further than you know Tim Berners Lee's you know this 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 internet the web that we have right now because in the early days of hypertext there were different ideas on how links or how how you know documents could interrelate right now we have this concept of one way links you know like when something links to something you can not, not traverse it one way but we don't really have like a concept of a backlink or a link back you know mm. and like early internet has this had this you know we have all kinds of you know I think WordPress had a concept of like backlinking. Um, there's also the web mentions um, sort of indie indie web standard that that exists for this. And we're going to look into facilitate some of these uh, or, or take advantage of some of these existing tools and meta standards to create sort of like a two way internet of thoughts because that's where some of these network note taking tools really get their associative um, discover like discovery power is that you, it's it's not the links mm-hmm. that you have from this document to another document that's just you know standard web it's when you're in a document and you find what else links to it is when you can actually start you know sort of thinking of things in like you can turn ideas and concepts upside down on their head and start thinking of of, of things as as a more like a fluid network of ideas rather than just these kind of yeah I don't know these these constructs that you yourself control because you know we don't control what happens in our brain sure. right like it, it just it just it's just there it's just a mess yeah well i find working toward something that better represents your thinking is so valuable and something that i think it's it's like the hidden piece of 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 note taking right cuz so many people struggle with trying to find an organizational system that works for them and it feels like maybe it's just fundamental like the the things that we have been using are just fundamentally flawed <laughs> Yeah, and, and it's also possible that this approach that we're now taking is fundamentally flawed or at least not the final, you know, step to sure. it. Like this is a very, very hyped up, you know, space. Um, we are very excited about mm-hmm. this right now, but you know, maybe there are even better ways of modeling it. But but what is interesting and what why specifically I wanted to build foam, which I haven't really defined what it even is yet. Um, but like <laughs> why I wanted to build foam is that I wanted to have an open alternative where you own and control your own data, where the, all the data is in a, in a format that is easily portable, that is easy to migrate away from, you know, from foam to another tools that's easy to use any kind of like known open standard tools to munch into different, you know, different shapes and structures, because I don't believe that we found the final answer. And I don't think Rome research has found yeah. the final answer. And I don't think Notion has the final answer. But unlike Rome and Notion, you know, like we have, you know, they have exports, 
but you know, in, in, in foam, you are essentially building that structure. You're intimately familiar with the structure of your own data. And that's one thing I want about my own brain is I don't want to give it to somebody else. Like I might share glimpses to it, yeah. but fundamentally it is mine and mine only. Um, and, and that's the tool that. <laughs> so you want a true second brain, not a third party second brain. Yeah. I don't want a second brain that somebody can mine for better ads, you know? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Like my yeah. first brain is already ruined by that. That's why I'm building the second one, you know, to have a, have a clean, pure one. <laughs> the ad free brain. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, so you mentioned this uh, quite a bit. So what does it look like now for for foam? Tell me about like kind of the specifics about um, foam um, versus, you know, like uh, like you said, Rome and um, Notion. Uh, what is what is the product that you're working on right now actually look like practically for achieving this second brain kind of concept? Yeah. So, I mean, as, as essentially it's it's a it's a glorified bunch of VS code extensions to transform what you normally think of as an IDE for code into an IDE for thoughts is what I like to call it. Um, and then, okay. you know, uh, essentially just, you know, because it is just markdown, it is just files. Um, we as programmers know what to do with that. We can store it in GitHub. We can transform it into static sites. Um, we can, we can do pretty much anything we want with it. Um, and, and so, so that's what foam is. Foam is, is a way of, of using the power of VS code to, um, and that's visual studio code, the Microsoft, uh, open, open, uh, IDE in order to, um, you know, to, to transform it into a top notch note taking environment, but also a long form writing environment mm -hmm. and also associative, you know, sort of information connecting environment. So, I mean, you know, the story of foam you could tell in a couple of different ways. Like there's the pithy cool one and then there's the true one. But like the, the pithy <laughs> cool one is that, you know, I had the programmer thought of, of, you know, how hard could this be, right? Like, you know, like not being satisfied with something and going, how hard could it be? And turns out not very hard. Um, the, the, the initial version of foam I built in a week and it contained about what I at the time thought was 80% of Rome research's feature features. Um, but now that I've we've gotten a lot more users who are a bit more sort of you know deep power users of Rome, we actually find out that that app does a lot more under the hood than than I thought. So <laughs> sure. you know there, there, there's a lot more to it. But you know that that's the kind of idea is that you know what we have right now is a very early experiment that allows you to use VS Code, the environment in which you already spend probably a lot of your hours already and where you're comfortable with. You you might use the Vim bindings, you might use you know, series of extensions, yep. um, you know, you can actually use that for this sort of, you know, networked note taking. Um, and then you can push that code up to GitHub or any other Git repo, and then you can, you know, generate a website out of it. Um, if you want to have a mobile editing experience, you can just use Git journal or one of these apps that allows you to edit markdown and store it in a GitHub repo. So essentially it's a, like the name foam is obviously a pun on, on Rome. I can't really get away from that. You know, I was thinking free Rome at the time, but you know, what have you. But there's this other metaphor is like, you know, foam is mostly just air. It's mostly just gas, you know, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's interconnected bubbles of, of air. And that's what foam, the, the software product is as well. It's really not that much code. It's just really, really good battle tested ideas put together in a easily consumed package. Awesome. I love the idea of bringing the thought to the right environment, right? Because I know personally something that's so frustrating for me is there's so many great 
tools for writing or note taking or whatever. And they all feel slightly inaccessible for me to really get great at because none of them support Vim, which is what I spend most of my time writing anything in. Right. And it's, I love that notion of taking something that a concept that you want to see in a different environment and applying it to the developer environment where, like you said, you're, you're in it all the time. And now you've converted this thing that was already useful to you for work into now like a, a, a note taking machine. Yeah, and, and that's the other kind of less sexy story of, of Foam, which is that I have honestly been using VS Code this way for, for years. I've written novels in, 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 in VS Code. I've published websites from VS Code using GitHub pages. So all of the, you know, like this, this, this product or whatever you want to call it is, is in many ways just a natural evolution or repackaging of something that I've been doing for years already. But that doesn't sound so sexy as, uh, as saying that, you know, I just did it. <laughs> you know, because I'm cool and a hotshot programmer. <laughs> well, I love this. Can you tell me a little bit more about, I know that in the documentation, there's this really cool uh, illustration of uh, of the graph and how it actually shows you the, the graph of your networked thoughts, um, which is really interesting to see in the code environment. And I think something that we, or VS code environment, and something that we overlook a lot, like the, the actual power of this, this editor. Um, could you tell me about the graph experience? Sure. So, I mean, the graph experience was actually, um, it's a pre-existing extension. I didn't write it. It's, um, it's written by this Polish guy called Tomasz. Um, and you know, I was, I was, you know, trolling the visual studio code marketplace for different markdown plugins. And this one is just called markdown links. I clicked on it and I saw it and that's kind of in some ways, the genesis of the idea of where foam sort of came from. But it's, um, mm -hmm. yeah, it, it's just, um, well, I don't want to say just because I don't want to in any way undermine, you know, the, the brilliance of that extension. What it does is that it uses the VS Code Workspace API to get a list of all your markdown documents. It runs each of them through um, a unified remark parser to find all the links in them. It constructs a graph out of it, and then it just dumps that graph into a web view in which there's a bit of JavaScript that renders it as a, as a graph visualization. So, Wild. you know, that, 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 and that, you know, I don't want to call it a metaphor, but like that pattern is something that we think are going to, is going to be really powerful for foam overall, because we can build fully custom UI as web views, but then we can actually use those, those same UI components and those same websites as part of the published experience. So, um, like the idea that I'm super excited about right now for foam, and I know that this is a bit of a ramble, but how like as a developer, I am so frustrated using any of these uh, Kanban, you know, Trello board kind of things, you know, oh, like it doesn't <laughs> yeah. matter which one it is. There's good ones, there are bad ones, you know, there's there's Jira, whatever Agile, there's Trello, there's GitHub board, but they're fundamentally really frustrating to use because they're just like this constrained environment. But what really is yeah. a Kanban board <clears throat> other than a list of lists? So you can render it as a markdown, you know, document that has a H2 heading for each lane and then a bullet list for each item. But you could also render uh -huh. it as a fully interactive drag and drop experience, um, you know, in akin to Trello. But if you can fluidly switch between both, let's say you want to refactor your project backlog, you can use multi-cursor Vim mode, you know, like edit it. If you want to send a, a report to your boss about what you're doing, you can just copy paste a bullet list from markdown and send it to them. Like that, that like it's, yeah. it's all just structured text and structured data. Um, or, or if you want to go crazy and say, let's, let's say that you want to create a, a microcosm or universe in which one card is actually a whole board unto itself. 
All it needs to be is either a link to another document or a nested markdown list. You double click that in some arbitrary imaginary Trello UI that we just built. And now you're in a, in a, in a subtask that is a board on itself, right? Like we can create these completely fantastical structures with just a little bit of HTML and JavaScript using Markdown as a backing store. Um, and so that's where I think the future of Foam will really shine compared to you know the competition. Not that there really is much competition because we're doing highly different things um, overall, but it's, it's the fact that VS Code is such an incredibly powerful environment for creating um, not only text-based user experiences in which it's it's profoundly good at, but also enriching that with arbitrary user experiences. Mm -hmm. um, I could talk about this for hours, but I'll maybe take a breath and, and let you ask uh, ask another question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I guess it's uh, it's more just like an observation of what you're saying, because um, I'm processing this all in all in real time. I, this all of this kind of second brain thinking is very new to me. I'm I'm attracted to it and interested in it, um, but it's very much new to me as I suspect it's new to a lot of people in the audience. I guess something that is really fascinating to me is the way you describe Markdown, right? And it's almost like these tools are kind of creating, I and mean, this may be a very silly way to say it, but but like you have like a, a Markdown-based database effectively. And these tools are allowing you to really double down on the text as a database <laughs> kind of um, and giving you that two-way linking and kind of making it, you know, as we've seen, you know, graphs are so powerful with kind of the popularity of GraphQL and whatnot. And the tools around standard text, if we can develop those, um, it really does become like a really powerful, um, a powerful tool where we kind of just have text as a database and then kind of rendering options, whether that be, a, like you said, a graph, a website, Trello board, whatever, all of that can come back to these like text, text-based formats. Yeah. I mean, I, I, so I don't particularly like Markdown as a format. I mean, it's poorly defined. There's different specifications. <laughs> um, you know, it, it doesn't have a, a, a kind of strict structure that a good data storage or data transfer format would have, mm -hmm. but what it does have, it has an excellent tooling ecosystem and it, it, it is, um, I would say unbeatable as an as what I like to call an interoperability surface, because um, if like one of the things that I really liked about Redux, if we can go back to this you know React ecosystem for a minute, wasn't necessarily <laughs> exactly um, you know any particular feature of Redux, but the fact that it acted as a kind of interop platform for all of the different enhancers and different uh, middleware and different reducers to work together. It was essentially a contract that said that, you know, like with, with this kind mm. of shape, um, you can do whatever you want with the data as long as you it's pure and you don't you don't mutate it. Sure. And, and and in some ways, you know, I feel like Markdown can be that. Um, and then when you add the additional interoperability or extensibility platform of VS Code, where you can bring all of these tools into that environment, um, I, I feel like that's where some true magic can happen. And, you know, we've only begun this, this project. I started this I started this project. I started writing code for this project less than a month ago. I launched it three weeks ago, and we already have seven and a half thousand downloads on on um, on the Visual Studio Code Marketplace. So awesome. there's clearly interest interest in this. But what what I really want is, you know, maybe right now I want this to be the best note taking app for programmers. But in you know a year's time, in a couple of years time. I'm not sure if this is even a note-taking app, and I'm not sure if it's even just for programmers. I think, you know, I, I keep coming back to this idea of an IDE for thinking. Um, 
mm-hmm. because like the other day I was looking at, you know, the I was frustrated how cluttered the VS Code experience feels like to a non-programmer. And I was looking at the bottom of the VS Code editor, you know, you have the errors and warnings and the info, you know, symbols where you normally get your ESLint warnings and whatnot. And I was thinking like, how do I hide those icons? Uh, and then I had this other idea is like, why do I want to hide them? Why don't I put something into them? And now, you know, with mm. all this, um, you know, intelligent text analysis tooling, you know, I don't want to use like the hype terms, but you know, like AI and, and, and like natural language processing, um, there's so much that we can actually do in order to, in order to interrogate our, our text and our thoughts locally without you sending the data to somebody else. Like all these one shot learners are becoming so powerful, um, that you can, you can really do interesting text generation or text understanding. Um, what if your IDE could tell you that, hey, you're actually repeating the thought that you were doing a couple of days ago, and maybe you should go do it over there in the other document? <laughs> or what if your IDE yeah. could tell you that, hey, you're actually exhibiting a bit negative thinking patterns right now, maybe take a break and like come back to this later? Um, like th- that's where I, I, I see that, you know, we have an, an edge is that like when we think of markdown as structured data, um, and when we, when we think of it as a programming language for thoughts, if we think of text as a programming language of thoughts, what hmm. new things can come out of that? And, and this is where we get back to the idea of the, of the sort of enlightenment polymaths and the, the, you know, sort of like the broad thinkers is that when you take two ideas that are perfectly obvious and you put them together and you create something non-obvious, this is where magic happens. And this is where in the foam community, you know, the hundreds of people who have already joined the discord server in just a couple of weeks since we created it, like there's this really vibrant sort of like idea rich community of diverse people from, you know, programming background, but also from scientific backgrounds, from academia uh, coming together and like really thinking, what could this tool set actually be? So in a couple of years time, I don't think it's for programmers and I don't think it's just for note taking. I don't mm-hmm. know what it's going to be, but I think it you know, it's something that I am excited to use at least for, you know, the rest of my life. <laughs> a, a term that you used there that I really like, uh, it feels very visceral, is interrogating your thoughts. Um, it, it feels right, right? Like, you know, so many times we are looking for something and, you know, the thoughts that we have right now aren't the final form of that that thought or the the belief that it's revealing. And I like this idea of like having a way to interrogate or like go deeper into like what you're already thinking um it sounds it sounds awesome so you mentioned the community and the the discord group and kind of how you're building uh, building these tools in real time around the community needs and interests and the things that you're discovering as a group um tell me a little bit more about kind of how you're how you're managing that and how people can get involved and learn about this whole you know different way of note taking sure so I mean, for me, I think it's very important that when we build a community around something new, that we do it right, that we do it with intention and with purpose and with values. So what I'm trying to do with Foam is to create, you know, the most inclusive open source project ever to have existed. (laughs) Now, you know, that's a high bar. I mean, there's already fantastic tools uh, or, or communities out there. The Rust programming language comes to mind. So, you know, we're taking a lot of ideas from from the Rust community. We're just right now working on kind of governance model that ensures that everybody has a voice in this community, but also that it is it can uh, outlive me and my greed because I already have a lot of VCs uh, knocking on my door. And uh, one day if I decide to sell <laughs> sell out on this, I want, you know, this to continue to be free and healthy for 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 everyone else. Um, so the way you can really get 
um, involved right now is pop over, you know, figure out how to get to foam. We don't even have a domain yet. That's how nerdy and new and hip we are. So <laughs> if, if, if you search for uh, foam on GitHub, um, you can find it. The, the URL is foambubble.github.io. Um, but, you know, like essentially find foam and there on the front page, you know, there's a whole boatload of information. Um, the 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 main kind of you know call to action if one is really to join the discord server which is linked on the on the front page because that discord server is where we have these conversations but it's also where we hopefully can have a very sort of you know inclusive and tone setting onboarding experience where you will hopefully if we do our jobs right immediately feel welcome but also immediately have access to the information that you need in order to get started in using this tool to get started in contributing mm -hmm. this tool, um, but also going forward, you know, sort of have a easily accessible primer to these ideas behind, you know, network note-taking. Because one of the things that I don't like about what's happening in the personal knowledge management community overall, and this is not a dig and I'm not trying to start any flame wars, you know, in the community. I love, you know, all the different, you know, ways of approaching this. But one of the sort of, it seems like there's a side effect that if you are interested in personal knowledge management, you also implicitly have the idea that your knowledge is somehow important or valuable. Mm. Um, and so, so there's this kind of like very sort of cabal cultish kind of like aspect of this, like, you know, everybody reads the same book and it's a good book. The book is called How to Take Smart Notes um, by Sanke Ahrens great book that you can read about this but you know i don't view it as a religious text and i don't try to throw the book at anyone i try to you know use my experience as a software engineer and as a software designer to bring these ideas to you by a progressive disclosure and like just start using something that is easy to adopt for you as a developer and then hopefully along the way you will learn some good thinking habits and some great ways of improving your own life so, so to wrap up the actual answer to your question, just figure out how to find foam on GitHub and then, you know, like go on from there. It's an open source project. You know how these things work. It's not that goddamn hard, is it? <laughs> we'll link it too. So, uh, so you, you don't have to, don't have to find it on your, on your own. We'll, uh, we'll help you out there. Um, but, but there is, if, if I may, you know, like something I, I, I said, I kind of wanted to expand on a little bit, which is that I, I do have a bit broader mission here. It's not just to create a great tool, but it's also to create some change in the way that programmers specifically think. Because mm -hmm. I personally, I'm what you might call a, a serial burnout victim. You know, like I, I, I think, I, you know, I keep, yeah. I keep walking in the same hole every single time. And, you know, that's why I decided to take some time off this year as well and really think about what I wanted to do because I was finding myself edging closer to that, you know, that that bottomless pit again. Yep. And and one thing that during this, you know, experience of, of, of figuring out how can I meaningfully and sustainably continue in this industry, I discovered that it's often not that the tools are, you know, trying to get us to burn out or be unproductive, but somehow we just end up in a situation where we aren't productive and somebody once told me that burnout isn't a a result of you working hard it's a result of you working harder and harder to uh, for diminishing results hmm. right mm -hmm. and so what i want to do is i want to create a, a thinking environment and a set of tools for practicing software developers 
to actually just, you know, reduce their cognitive load by making sure that they can quickly and easily take notes in their environment, reduce their long-term information sort of, you know, storage by using the principles behind networked note-taking, and then use the kind of learning and, and, and ideas generation that, you know, these tools can do in order to make you a better developer. And, you know, we say that, you know, developers are smart, but, you know, all evidence that I've seen in my life and in my career, 15 years doing this, you know, shows quite a different picture. <laughs> I feel like developers are remarkably stupid um, when it comes to actually using sort of tools and, and, and habits in order to get productive. Like we know what the right thing to do is. We know that deep work makes us happy. We know that being in the flow state makes us happy. Yet we do absolutely nothing in order to ensure that we can get in that state that makes us happy and makes us productive, right? So so in, in some ways there is there is a there's a bigger mission here is like if I can make a tool that you know will help me avoid facing that, you know, dreaded moment once more. And if I can build a tool that can help others avoid that future that they may not have even you know experienced before. Um, I think that would be a, a, a life well and purposefully lived. I love that. That seems like a, a really good thing to close on. However, I absolutely want to have a, a, a talk with you sometime down the road about um, burnout, managing burnout, like all that kind of stuff. Because that, I think, affects so many of us and it's hard to identify at the time and it's even harder to know what to do with it once you've identified it um so maybe maybe sometime in the next couple of months we can have that chat too yeah i can give you the short version though because i know of only one way of recovering from burnout give it it to make sure that when you do work is that you make and save enough money that you can put away in a rainy day fund so that the day that you can no longer work that you can just take some time off and enjoy life for a change um, that is the only known way of of digging yourself out of that hole that I have tried. Um, I have actually tried many, but that's the only successful one. So, uh, <laughs> you know, if you feel like, you know, you might be walking towards, um, you know, that moment, then, you know, get your finances in order and make sure that you can actually do the right thing for you rather than just having to keep digging. It's good advice. So I usually like to uh, end the episodes by asking like what, like, technologies you're bullish on and like what you're excited about but you've you've been talking about it the whole time so i'm kind of more curious um what does foam and the community look like maybe you know a year two three years from now wow i mean that's a really good question i think the foam and the community should be a, a self-sustainable entity that has built a product that hopefully needs very little modification to its core I feel like the phone philosophy very much is to play nice and to interoperate with other software well. So hopefully by a few years from now, we don't really need to do much to it. Uh, we just ensure that there is a constantly evolving community of people and ideas, you know, a sort of a coral reef, so to speak, where like a fish can come to feed and, you know, sort of discover and share better ways of, of, of taking notes or doing whatever foam is for. I also hope that it's a community that is is diverse and it's welcoming. I hope that it will be as open to newbies um, as as it is now. Um, I hope that we don't get clicky. I hope that we don't get to a point where there is this secret cult because I started this thing because I didn't want to be part of a cult and it would be ironic if I now became a leader of one. So... Um, <laughs> Well, to be honest, that it's a thin line, right? That that is the power move, though. Like, there's nothing wrong with being a cult as long as you're the top of it, I guess. Uh, 
<laughs> nah. You don't want to be in a cult. You want to be on a cult. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right. Just on the on that mountaintop, you know, on that on that Acropolis. Um, no, I mean, what I want form community to be in three years is I want it to be a reflection, a true reflection of the people that form that community. I don't pretend that I know what that should be, nor do I pretend to be able to guide it. I also think it's very possible that there is one day going to be a commercial product that was built around foam. Foam itself will continue to be free, but maybe there is also a, a sort of productivity tool set that helps bring these good ideas into people in a way that they can purchase with their credit cards rather than with their, uh, you know, with their, with their efforts. But that still remains to be seen, and I hope that doesn't ruin anything for us. Cool, cool. Now, for people looking to get involved, um, obviously we'll link all of the, um, you know, the Discord and the GitHub repo. Um, but what types of uh, technologies can they expect to find um, once they get there? Right. So, I mean, if you want to contribute to code right now, I mean, the stack is is fairly simple. We write our VS Code extensions in TypeScript. Um, you know, you can write visualizations in just JavaScript, HTML, and CSS. So front-enders, very welcome. You can even use React if you want to, but it's not, it's not required. Um, then on the web publishing end, right now we're very simple, uh, just HTML and CSS uh, published on the standard Jekyll instance to come with every GitHub repo. But we are looking to migrate more towards Gatsby. Cool. So if there are any Gatsby aficionados in there who want to help build essentially the, the foam web experience, um, you know, that would be an, an opportunity, I think, for, for a React front-end developer to contribute. But I don't want people to think that they need to be programmers in order to meaningfully contribute to Foam, because it is a project of ideas oh, sure, rather sure. than a project of, um, of, of, of code. Like the, the, the first version that I shipped was 80, 80 lines of code. <laughs> it was literally a very thin veneer of sort of glue in order to make a couple of things work together. In fact, two days before I shipped it, it was zero lines of code. And I was so mad that I had to write those 80 lines of code uh, in order to <laughs> in order to ship it. And then ironically, it took me like three weeks to fix all the bugs in that 80 lines of code. So, uh, you know, uh, that's, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, form as a community, I think is a lot more about the ideas. And, you know, people always say that, oh, you can come and contribute to our open source project. If you're not a programmer, you can contribute to the documentation. And then people go like, oh, documentation, like that's boring and nobody values it. But at Foam, like we truly value it because most of Foam is documentation. Yeah. The, yep. the, the Foam website that you will find when you go to the link that is in the show notes, it is a Foam workspace. It is a living, breathing graph of, of ideas hmm. that you can contribute to by just writing text in a markdown file and having it published. Um, there is absolutely no technical step other than knowing how to uh how to how to commit on Git. Um, so yeah, I mean, all contributions welcome, and, and and we would like to have writers, creatives, artists, uh, visual designers, UX designers, um, anyone who wants to help build a better tool for themselves. Um, that is our target demo. That is our target market. Um, we we have no high lofty ambitions of like only one in ten x developers or or you know these <laughs> super experienced people who can smash stuff out of the park. Like I want Foam to be the place where people can have their first open source con uh, contribution or their commit, and then I want to follow their sort of progress three years down the line where they now have a better high paying job because you know they got onto the open source open source GitHub star sort of bandwagon, right? Yeah, like. 
that that's the kind of community I want to be. I want it to be a community that builds, you know, things and and pulls each other up rather than, you know, tries to be special. Well, that's something I'm really excited about because as someone who is new to this like networked thought idea, um, the the idea as you mentioned of you know progressive disclosure um, is, is is very attractive to me, and I like the idea that you're building a community around the around the idea. Yeah, I mean. I think you should come and contribute. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll give it a try. I I did successfully get it all installed. I got my environment up. It's up on GitHub. It's been it, it's actually been super fun to kind of like just just tinker with it. Yeah, and I'm sure that you found this, and I'm sure anybody coming into it finds that it, it, there's a lot of rough edges uh, right now. Sure, it is it is a very very immature software product created by a very immature person. So you know, like it kind of you know, it really reflects if, if foam is my second brain, that it is equally as messy as my first brain. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, we are looking to impose order, you know, like, like mm -hmm. entropy, people say is irreversible, but I actually don't believe in it. I think you can actually create order out of chaos. And, and that's what we're, we're trying to do here. Um, so, you know, if you're a person who is, has that early adopter mindset of, if, if you can deal with a little bit of bullshit now in order to get immense rewards in the future, um, then Foam might be a tool that you might be interested in trying. Awesome. Hey, thanks for joining us today. This is super fun. Uh, I know I'm excited to give this a try and kind of leverage my editor for networked thought um, because, man, I know that the way I think about code is really more formed by like, you know, food or books or characters that I read about than like anything else. So I, I'm really excited to kind of get those things into a tool that actually links them together the way that I think about them. Yeah. So thanks for your work. Yeah. Maybe you'll discover something weird, a connection between, you know, a, a food and a programming <laughs> language. Maybe, you know, you will create the, the next great, um, discovery in functional programming. And it's all thanks to that idea you had about Vichyssoise. <laughs> Nice. Well, we'll send a lot of people your way. This is uh, this is super exciting. I'm enjoying the work you're doing. Well, thanks so much, Michael. And uh, yeah, it's good to be here. You know, I've I've been a, I've been a big fan of your work for a long time. So glad to finally be invited. I can't believe I actually had to like build something. I thought that you know this was like a racket. <laughs> I thought you could just come over here and be like, yeah, I've done a conference talk and I have GitHub stars, but actually had to build something of value to get on this. Like this is uh, this is I know what a jerk. Publishing, like publication, I guess. Uh. <laughs> well, it's good to have you on. I'm excited. I, I, we'll definitely have to have you on because I think that we, um, in in terms of the way that we think about software, uh, I think that we have a lot to to talk about. So this is a good first episode for us. Hmm. Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah, cool. We'll see you soon. Cheers. This has been episode 104 of React Podcast with Yanni Ivacalio and Chantastic. For links, visit reactpodcast.com slash 104. Thanks to our sponsors, Infinite Red and Honey Badger. When your deployments go sideways, you want Honey Badger at your back. Honey Badger gives you DevOps superpowers by combining error monitoring, uptime monitoring, cron monitoring, external service, and job monitoring all into a single, easy-to-use platform. Give Honey Badger a try today. Visit honeybadger.io, mention React Podcast at sign up, and get 30% off for six months. If you have a project that's gone off the rails and need expert help, get Infinite Red on your side. They've been designing, building, and shipping apps for 10 years and want to bring that expertise to your apps, products, and services. They have a deal right now where you get $750 for referring a new project. 
Get expert help from Infinite Red at reactpodcast.infinite.red. If you like this show, there's a fast, free way to demonstrate your support. Leave us a review on iTunes. It's the best way for you to let me know what you think we're doing right and what we can improve. Two to three minutes of your time helps us make the best show we possibly can. As always, links and show notes for all episodes are available at reactpodcast.com. This episode was edited by Mikhail Delport. It was produced by Mikhail Delport and Sarah Jackson at Spec, a network to help you level up in design and development. Check out spec.fm for other shows that are sure to fast track your career. I'm your friend, Chantastic. Thanks for listening. We'll be in your ears again next week. Thank you.